that kind of egg that's hard to make that I can't remember the name of right now. Well, I remember hearing Bellinay's being like in a lasagna, or it was in like a uh, like a frozen dinner that I had when I was in Spain. All I know is it's some kind of sauce. Okay. Might be meat based. Might be a meat based sauce. That might be where the meat comes. I from. think it's a meat based sauce, because I, I think Olive Garden for a while had like a lasagna bolognese, um, in its a uh, tour of Italy or Italian trio where you get like fettuccine alfredo with a chicken parmesan breast and then just like this small square of lasagna and it's pretty dope, especially with like chicken gnocchi. Ooh, like like me some gnocchi. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. So we are we should be live and recording everywhere, so we're good to go. Um, so Brian, welcome to the parlor, Jailhouse Parlor. Um, Thank you. So, you actually, I think I can because most people still have normal lives, and I don't want their normal lives to be charged up by online presences. Um, where we try to speak openly. So if you're if you're welcome to introduce yourself. Um, if you want to go, for, if you want to go forward with that one, sure. Um, my name is Brian, and uh, you probably don't know me from anything because I'm not in things. I am, in the truest sense of the word, uh, some internet guy. Just a regular redditor. <laughs> I, I don't go no. on Reddit really. Well, something sometimes. Just specific things. Mm-hmm. But I got a lot of specific interests. And okay. there's a bunch of different sites that cater to those interests, and some are better than others. So okay. he's Reddit for some things, other sites for other things. So that's entirely contrary to what I actually wrote up for you in the oh. intro. I was just like Brian's a longtime friend from back in Aaron's retail days. He's the most underrated yet to be discovered talent in voice acting. Well, maybe not that second part. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that first part's true. We do go pretty far back. Yeah, yeah. So back back when I'm not I'm not just some random internet hobo you picked out of the, <laughs> out of the no garbage. I can't I can't do that I can't do that I I try to highlight people of interest uh, and intrigue on this specific podcast um, the other ones are just like I'll just grab random people and see how they mix and hope it doesn't end up in you know drunken squabbles in my guest bedroom and people hurting each other um, but with COVID now the physical can't ever happen because everyone just gets to be angry on their side of the country. So it's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty safe. Yeah, working from home has been. I thought I was gonna enjoy it. I was really excited. And then what happened? Home, and then uh, I had to do it. <laughs> I my my bedroom became my office, and I despised it. Yeah, you don't have enough. You, what do you live in? Like a studio or a single bed? Uh, I rent out a uh, a duplex with a couple other people, so okay. I don't have much space. Yeah, and basically all the space that I have is both my work and my leisure space. And it's just hard to get away from the stress at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't, I've, if I had stayed at my last place, I might've gotten towards work at home, but I, after doing enough office work, I realized that while I found doing grocery stock clerk work um, was way too physical, like way too physically draining um, and just not healthy in that area, um, desk work was so unphysical that it left me quite anxious because mm-hmm. um, like I'd get in like at 10 and I sw- 10 or something like that and by like noon I was like I need to go run or do something or build a sweat and then try not to stink for the rest of the day um, so my I think that I think the question then for you because I think um, I think a lot of people 
are, are actually going to hang out in this average where I don't think anyone likes to go to or be required to go to do office or go to the office every single day. Um, so do you think that if you had a spare, if you had a spare guest room to like work out of, do you think you'd be happier about work at home? Oh yeah. Yeah. If I had a spare room, I'd definitely be a lot happier about it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really though, what I miss is just, I, I never really realized how much like, going to work is the time of day that i go outside you know what yeah I mean? yeah so, so it's just like i never really understood how like convenient the, it is to be able to stop at Publix on the way home from work yeah rather well, than have to get myself out of bed to go to Publix. yeah or like how the commute like really helps you transition your mind oh yeah especially the commute i i i know a lot of people don't like long drives i love long drives yeah I love just being able to yeah just zone out and think about stuff yeah well my when I had um, my pharmacy tech job, I was way out there. It was I'm out here in Winter Springs, um, like right by Winter Springs High School, basically. For those that want to like look up geographical locations, and I'd have to drive one hour one way to uh, John Young Sand Lake, like basically not a mile away from I drive, basically um, on I four of all things. If I wanted to avoid tolls, and while most people are like that sucks because I four sucks for a lot of people, I was like, I get to basically kill like a podcast, like right. to and from like morning and evening. While I really wish I had that time in my pocket, uh, definitely got to take advantage of it. Do you think if you got the option to work at home and work at the office at your own whim outside of like required meetings, that that would be like a perfect setup for you? Um, uh, probably. Um, that, that, I mean, that's a whole lot of specific privileges that I don't think someone at like my level would ever get, but yeah, that, w that yeah. would be nice. Yeah. But yeah, well, it's either you're such an introverted type that you, I, I'm guessing you would either love to just have a spare office and they'd never see you again at the office unless they <laughs> called you. Or you'd be like, you know what? I could deal with a human in-person interaction today. Let me go to the office. And yeah, then, I mean, and, like, I, I think, I think, like, seeing your your associates in in person is really important yeah. for like being able to do your job well. Depending on obviously on like exactly what it is you're doing. Yeah. But um, you're right. I, I definitely hate people. I hate being I hate being around <laughs> people, and I would I would probably choose to be home more often than not. Yeah, I could definitely see that, which makes it very. In my memory, makes it quite a quagmire how. Unfortunate is a lot of unfortunate. It is a lot of introverts end up doing customer service. Yeah, it's just it's just because that's the that's the kind of country we live in. We're in a we're in like a forced scarcity situation where really we, none of us have these needs, mm -hmm. but they're or that they can't be filled. Rather, they can be filled super easily, but because of the way our economy is set up, it's you need to. We don't have like a manufacturing industry, or at least not a large one, or one that people can really become a part of, unless yeah. you're getting something like an engineering degree or something that's like higher level STEM. Mm -hmm. So it's like you, you, we get filtered into uh, lower, like still potentially high. Like I don't have like a bad education, but like reasonable education getting forced downwards into service level jobs, mm -hmm. and higher level education being forced upwards into those engineering jobs. And we just have this big gap in the middle. Yeah, that, I can. Like, I can I can see and feel what you're talking about. Um, I think that's the that resonates in terms of how as a huge there's a huge vat to jump into there. But I can definitely see the gap that you're talking about, especially as someone who did go get a bachelor's, but has 
no intention of that bachelor's, which is in business, which is nice, generally speaking. Um, I have every intention of like using it for entrepreneurial like um, purposes for helping take care of business side of productions and such. Um, but I have yet to hear a good argument against the uh, against the part where it's like if you're not going into STEM, there is almost no reason to go to college these days for the yeah. cost and the debt and a lot of the crazy shit that's coming out of colleges these days. And it sucks, too, because that college education is super important in our country. So this is and I don't know how this might be like old data now. This is something I read like two or three years ago. Yeah. But ostensibly that within the next 10 years, we're facing a um, a shortage of skilled labor. Electricians, yeah, I remember, plumbers. I remember. Well, yeah, no, New York has that problem. It might have been the same timeline as you, but New York is actually willing to pl pay. Like, I think New York City is willing to pay, like, ridiculous money for electrical engineers or whatnot in the city. It's just that um, you can call whatever reason it is with, like, rent control or something like that. Living in New York City is just not affordable. Um, oh, yeah, 100% not. And so... It's not even. it's not even just that, but, like... Yeah, one, living in New York City just isn't affordable, but two, like, there just really aren't that many people going for those jobs. You know, no, we, we they spent got... such a long amount of time telling people, you know, don't, you know, you have to go to college. You have yeah, to go yeah, to yeah. college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so are you, are you, um, if you have a, if you have a, I'm not willing, I'm not wanting to focus on them, but have you heard of the Weinstein brothers? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the Weinstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I think it's, um, well, not like I know them, but you know what I mean? I know, you know of them. You have coffee with them only on one Sunday out of the year. So like, you don't know them too well. Yeah. Um, they're estranged family members. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you hear Eric, uh, has been trying to get some legs for a few years now, um, on that whole sort of scheme that came out, uh, it was during our time when we were in uh, elementary school and up where they're like, you must go to college and people that graduate with high school degrees and college degrees and PhDs make X amount of money. And that was basically a giant fucking farce. And it's now massively inflated. Um, the numbers of people that are going into college for these, for a lot of other degrees or trying to get PhDs or something like that. Um, and then, and that basically made all the other trade stuff uh, unviable and not to mention whatever's been happening in public education to kick the trades out of being um, in shop class like that being kicked out of just basic K through 12 education. So now trade schools are like getting their own revival and I'm I'm basically trying to convince every parent and every like uh, young adult who's like about to or is in college is like why are you there or why are you sending them there? What are they going for? Do they have work experience? get them out of college right now, like make them go work anywhere. Um, yeah, because the rest, because it's just bullshit. I'm sorry. You're going to walk away with a $200,000, um, fucking debt, um, for a degree that's not going to be worth, worth anything. Um, I, if I knew what I, if I knew of the job that I have now in pest control, I know I could have been at this job back when I started at Publix, uh, still be here now. Um, have more experience than one of the um, senior individuals there um, and be making good like f over 40k a year being able to like make up my own day and my own month it's like because how my company works is pretty great it's like here's your work orders for the month get them done that's it like welcome to the first of the month here's your shit 
I don't care what you do the rest of the month. It once you're done. Mm-hmm. And I and like I it's it fascinates me where like this job requires nothing because they're going to teach you everything. Um, there's no taking they're 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 going to teach you everything for for the trade basically. So I just don't see where like I I don't see where people unless they are going to make a, the big challenge towards any of the STEM fields why going to college at this time in history is an economic move. Yeah, and I feel like right there at the end you really hit on what the issue is is that's an economics issue. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people um our our economy and the way that our colleges are set up is the reason why it's a problem. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people who cuz you you come to the right conclusion that like right now in America um, you are probably more likely to live a happy and fulfilled life if you were to just get a um, trade skill, you yeah. know, like become a mechanic or an engineer or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's that's not, at least in my opinion, how things should be. Um, I, if you ask me, college should just be a right, and it should be something that everyone has the opportunity to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember who said it, but there was somebody who um, was like, I, I, maybe it was like in response, to like some some kind of like protest or whatever, but they were like the, the greatest tragedy to me is not how many Einstein's uh, or how many people weren't born that could have become Einstein, but rather how many people out there are just as smart as Einstein, but because they live in an impoverished area, they'll never have the opportunity to achieve that greatness. Yeah. They don't have the opportunity for that education. Well, I, I feel like that's what the, the problem is. Yeah. Is that these people need to have that opportunity to seek that higher education at college without bankrupting themselves. Yeah. And I think, cause I have, um, I think we'll agree on it. It's just a question of methodology that we're probably going to have our own um, discourse or discussion about. I think that there's also a... I think there's a lack of understanding that while the internet may have everything out there, um, that self-starters are even more rare. Um, I I wish I knew Einstein's um, story better, but I think there's something to be said about Einstein-level... like special people and the opportunity issue. I think it's the, the thing is my big thing is um, as I'm trying to find these words, having a good um, university and the mentorship that should go in there of having uh, leaders that, and teachers and professors that can help teach these kids, teach any of us really um, though, and take us down those paths of learning I think it's a I think it's a very uh I want to say arrogant statement that like anyone should be able anyone if they were really an Einstein genius would be like going online and learning all this by themselves and you know saving the world with their theories or something like that and it's like no like there needs to be channels with which people actually get proper education because I know for um myself and I imagine it's true for a lot that you need to be properly introduced into certain disciplines and certain um, topics um, from someone who knows what the fuck they're talking about. I think it was a mark from a, a quote from someone is like true mastery of a topic. It means that you can explain exceptionally complex things in very short and simple terms. Actually, it's oh, yeah, not. It's that. it doesn't require you to do like a five paragraph essay on a cop on a on a on a concept. It's that you can actually make it simple even though there could be a 10 page you know study on it to 
fully explain it. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred, hundred percent. It's like, um, it, it's just like those higher level ideas and concepts. They're just not things that one can teach oneself. There no. are very, very rarely some beyond exceptional individuals that yeah. that can. Yeah. Um, like there's this one guy. I wish I could remember his name because he's absolutely fascinating. But he's um, he uh, he might have passed away now. He's an older gentleman, mm-hmm. if not. Um, but he's from India, and he was like, I think we're, I think we're thinking of the same genius. person, right? Now. Yeah, he created trigonometry in his own isolated situation. Yeah, and yeah. he he wrote that journal that the rest of the math world is still trying to figure out. Yeah, and they're yes. going through it. Like I, I forget who it, it might have been, um, uh, Jeremy Irons or something like that, who was the uh, actor that was the British professor that was his mentor through letter writing or something like that. I, I that I have no idea. Yeah, I, I th- do know the guy was eventually like they brought him to Cambridge yeah. in, in the UK, not in the US. Yeah, um, I believe he and, has, like that's where like yeah. his story really started. But like that that's very rare. They have this actual literal genius. Yeah. Um, but even he, once they brought him to an actual university and gave him the means to actually pursue these academic ideas, yeah. that's when it exploded. So you gotta ask yeah. yourself, this guy who got discovered when he was like in his twenties, how much better would he have been? had he been fostered from a young age yeah so th- so i think that's where facility. we i think that's where we go back to the point of i believe we're we're much more concerned or we can agree on trying to make sure the opportunity is there um and the only thing that i have a critique against people when it comes to healthcare education is turning everything into a right um i believe that it should be and i think we can agree on this concept of we should be providing as much opportunity as possible for everything um, from business to education to family plans uh, and the like. Um, my only critique on is just if you're turning everything into a right, I think it creates a certain dialogue that has led to a lot of entitlement. Um, so that's just like my one sort of critique to have on that. I think that right now our colleges are overpriced and uh, way below the value that they're priced at and way below the value that they should be at on a standard average if you look backwards because of just how regressive they've been by trying to teach the lowest common denominator. Um, so no one's being challenged. There's no critical thought and everyone has to succeed or get their degree. Um, and so and so the quality has just failed. I mean, I will definitely say there there are some the, the problem is both of us what we're familiar with is the american education american education system which is like the worst education system in the country yeah like, like we're we're not, we're not even like top 10 yeah no we're in florida <laughs> like, we're fighting there, to get to the bottom over here like oh yeah in florida <laughs> you, you in places like botswana like miles ahead of us like yeah. like we're we're way down there um, so, so the actual, but I'm not a teacher. I'm not studied in that. So the actual literal methodologies and stuff I'm going to argue for or against. Um, however, I don't like looking at education as like a right to have or not to have. For me, it's a right to access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone I, should have a right to access yeah. that higher level education. Yeah, I, so I, I don't, I don't feel like colleges and universities should be profit driven. I know a lot of people do, and there's there's some argumentation for that, but uh-huh. unfortunately, historically, um, the profit-driven ones have been the ones that have done worse overall, uh-huh. both for themselves and for their students, yeah. because the profit motive has a different desired outcome mm-hmm. than just a learning motive. 
Yeah. Right? There's a reason why in the United States, college football teams are so important to colleges and why they spend so much money getting good football players. It's because they make so much more money off of college football than they do anything academic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, so like there's just there's you got to look at the goal, what people are trying to achieve and what people want. You have to separate that to the correct um, framework in order to actually achieve that goal. And unfortunately, a product, pro, a, a profit motive framework that is a hard word to say mm-hmm. or phrase a profit motive framework just doesn't work as well for education because it it doesn't care what the quality of the education is okay. the quality of the education you get could be great could be garbage they're still making the same amount of money off of you you know what i mean yeah so, it, it can be it can be it's it's just i think it comes down to and are we talking on the public education or college education for a profit motive i'm, I'm talking about design. Um, i'm talking about uh uh, college education, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because what I'm, what my argument would be is that the uh, profit mode of education that our colleges have should instead be structured like the um, the way that our um, community, lo- our local schools are. Uh, not a hundred percent. There's also a whole lot of problems with how our local schools are are um, budgeted, but that's because most of that has to do with. Uh, it's based on like property taxes and shit like that. So if you live in a bad neighborhood, the schools are going to get less money. If the school is going to get less money. The kids are going to do worse, which means that the neighborhood's going to get worse. And it, it's a vicious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to go down on that one later um, because I I've heard of the um, I forget what it's called. Say a tax. I want to say coupon for some reason, or a voucher. That's what it was. Because um, I've heard that suggested um, for the uh, pr- for the public school. Uh, system for at least you know k through 12 um it's so it fascinates me or at least in the theory and i'd like to actually see if there is any um research or study with this for the for-profit versus non-profit um i guess state um colleges because i think it goes back to a question of what's supporting it because my fear with nonprofit things or things that are governmental or bureaucratic is that there's no uh, competition against that structure that's going to eliminate it should it be providing a bad product. Um, so, like, it's it's a curiosity to me that do these for-profit um, esta- uh, businesses that are schools, that are universities, um, do they not fail like they should in the market because they are just given this level of significance that makes them established and immovable um is it that their product isn't made clear to be bad so they don't improve upon it or they don't fail on the market um that's sort of my questioning about like why aren't market um, principles or market demands um equating to a success failure um of the products that they're providing um do the contracts that they sort of bind their students in end up with like, yeah, we have a graduation rate and we have, you know, like the, it's hard to perhaps suggest or have, um, or it to be made clear what's success for a university. And that's where all we have is like graduation rates, the profitability off of their sports programs, and maybe like the number of papers that they put out, whether or not any of those are of actual quality or value um, to the culture, to the country, to the people. See, the, the problem with it is, is that in a, in a normal marketplace, it, it, and if we're looking at the university as the producer or the manufacturer, yeah, um, the manufacturer is getting paid by their customers for their good based on the yeah. quality of that good. Yeah. Um, no one 
is paying universities for the quality of their good. The good the university produces is an educated and skilled worker. That worker is then going to get paid by the business that yeah. hires them based off their skill set. Yeah. Because of that, there there is no normal or quality typical, control. Yeah. There's no there's no one's gonna call up a friggin' University of Central Florida and be like, I hired Jim Johnson yeah, 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 in yeah. 2010, and that son of a bitch didn't know anything. Yeah. Like that doesn't yeah, that doesn't happen. So to so to draw that line in another thing, because I'm having the um the drugstore as a thing. If the drugstore is providing a hundred different items, but like two of them are bad. People are going to let the drugstore know or they're going to let each other know that, hey, this drug is bad and it's not selling. Um, and so it's a it's a very distinct like, OK, we're not going to provide that product anymore. But that's a direct that's a direct thing between the customer and the drugstore. There's not that middle piece, which in the university situation is the employee that or the graduate that's trying to find work. So the graduate ends up with a bad education, um, potentially debt or at least a lot of time and money spent, and they don't have any of the skills or knowledge able to actually even get them what they want and the whole purpose usually of going to university unless you're trying to be a, a career um, intellectual, so to speak, and research and stuff or a professor is to then find a job in the workforce. Um, yeah, but, but that none of that finding a job in the workforce, that doesn't come back and inform the university on how well it's doing yeah because there's that one degree of separation instead what yeah. the university gets that feedback on is how well is your college football team doing or um did you have a big name person graduate from your university um more often than not like rather than actual graduation rates or um like success after school yeah. a lot of what universities are known for is hey this famous director graduated from this school yeah, because people people unfortunately are not very smart. <laughs> uh, you know, it it would be very. That's the thing with like, t with every so like, I'm not necessarily like capitalism is absolute garbage. Can't use it for anything, but there are definitely certain products or services that just really don't work in that kind of frame framing. Like electricity, you you just need electricity, and you need like a very specific amount of electricity. Yeah. That need is never going to change. Yeah, so that it just makes sense for that to be a subsidized commodity like okay well it's not really well I mean, that really shouldn't be for profit at all but it's yeah it's like because there's no it's not like oh the electricity i got was bad electricity like it's just electricity you got it or you didn't get it yeah well you the know? question then comes down to like reliability i think we're we're sort of in we're we could actually have that discussion a bit about how internet service um is very monopolized but it might as well be a utility service at this point um Oh yeah, and, and it's but monopolization you have a, you is keeping have... it from advancing too. Yeah. It's not even just like um, you know, there's the monopoly and you know, they're they're cutthroat trying to get the best possible internet. No, they're all in it together. <laughs> they they yeah. all understand. No one's like the reason that um like fiber optic cable hasn't taken the country by storm has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that it's not better and everything to do with the fact that it's very expensive and none of them want to be the first person to spend it. Yeah. Spend that money. They want yeah. someone else to spend the money so that they can use the framework that that person created in order to have the better product without spending the money to get it. Mm -hmm. and that, that, that's why it's an issue because the, we're not talking about like drug drugs or um, like food. Like, yeah. yeah, I can make a better tiramisu than you and sell that and make more money. But yeah. like electricity just is electricity. It's are you getting it? Yes. Satisfied. Are you not getting it? No, not satisfied. Well, that's where electricity and internet is not even, it's not a, it's not in a, it's not an in-store product, so to speak. That you like, you would go and like make a decision on it, yeah. you know, every you know Saturday when you go grocery shopping, uh, 
electricity in it's like where's the provider what's and is there yeah. there's not even like do I even have a second provider as a choice yeah exactly that's where you know comcast or whatnot or spectrum now is like you know the big fucking name in internet and it's garbage it's been garbage through all covid because you know the system wasn't built for this level of demand um but it's like you you don't you either have like you go at least for where i'm at i have like at&t and uh spectrum those are like the two options that i have um and so it's like i think this is where in my mind the 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 needs from government aren't even to make these things public entities but i really wish that there is a much more active antitrust part of the government arm right now because i think it would actually i i think it do i think it would it would probably everything's always a trade off but i feel like if there is a more active antitrust uh situation going on there it might stimulate more competition or growth i'm not saying it's a guaranteed solve but what is it, that's the, that's always the problem though with antitrust stuff is that you're you're looking for a legal solution mm -hmm. to a systemic problem yeah and that's just usually that's that's so much harder to find because like what does the antitrust do oh we require at least three valid options for internet in this area okay cool well you number one me number two and you number three how about all of us with the money we have just buy up all that area and yeah then we just split it the way we want yeah and we you just agree I mean? how it There's, goes yeah it's so non-competitive non yeah non-competitive stuff that yeah, you know non-competitive competition yeah and they just weasel their way around the laws that's where yeah. it's a it's kind of like what's the systemic solve because i don't exactly trust uh government entities to be very innovative oh see that's the thing that is a that is a fallacy I disagree with that entirely. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to look at the government and say that, oh, they're a bunch of fucking idiots. They don't know what they're doing. It's because politicians are a bunch of idiots and don't know what they're doing. Um, actual government workers and people hired are just as effective and just as good as workers in any other company. Okay, just well like, then... Period, bar none. Because there, there's no difference between a, a government-hired electrician and a private contractor electrician. But the only difference there is that the government-contracted electrician who's going out and doing the work isn't worried about his profit motive. Whereas the other gun is. And for certain situations, especially when you're looking at like top level businesses or mm -hmm. like starting out businesses, mm -hmm. obviously that's a huge incentive for growth. But we're talking about industries that, like electricity has a hard cap on demand. There's not it, like the, the amount of electricity a country needs is the amount of electricity it needs. There's no, oh, we've decided we want a little bit more, or a little bit less. You need as much as you need. Period. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a hard there. There's no elasticity there. So. Mm -hmm. When you, that's why those things with no electricity are so much better as governmental programs because then you can all you need to solve for is how much you need to produce, right? The electrician who goes to your house and sets up your stuff doesn't care. He does not care whether he works for the government or not. It doesn't matter to him. He's doing his job, right? That's the thing. So many people are so quick to jump on like, oh, the government's all full of politicians and all politicians are corrupt idiots. Yes, all politicians are corrupt idiots, but the government is not made up of all politicians. Politicians are the face that we see of the government, mm -hmm. but the majority of the government is just other workers. Well, and a lot the... of the problems with governmental systems and those programs that do fail is because they're set up to fail. Yeah. You know what the best way as a politician to prove to the people that you're right and we can't do X or Y is to allow us to try X or Y and sabotage it so that it fails. Yeah. yeah. It's very it's very easy to cut uh, you know, a program's budget by, you know, three hundred percent or whatever. And mm -hmm. have no one see that because it got passed in like a, a friggin' tax bill that no one cared about yeah, rather so... than to argue on the floor. We know we shouldn't do this because it's bad. Yeah. Pork barrel. It's all it's all people. This is my biggest issue. People just need to stop worrying about politicians and start worrying about 
the problems one and the solutions two period fuck the politicians forget them it doesn't matter who cares they could be super nice and and that's great that does not mean that they're smart (laughs) yeah you know don't vote for people that you like because you like the way they talk or the way they look vote for people who are said hey this is the problem this is my proposed solution and then you analyze that solution and if it works then you vote don't, yeah. Don't well, do it's. Dumb shit. I. Th- I think that's where we agree on. Like, the, what's the results of well-executed programs, or at least well-executed, yeah. or at least policy that's set up? Because, um, like, going going back to the education example, if mm-hmm. we if we because if we want to actually talk numbers, uh, Germany. Um, I don't know if Germany's uh, higher level education is a hundred percent government funded or if it's like percentile. Hold on. But you know, the, the cost of a fucking. Telemarketer bullshit. Nothing important. Nothing important. Okay, cool. All right. But the the cost for a uh, degree in Germany, like a four year degree, mm-hmm. significantly smaller than the United States. And and no one is going to look at look me in the eyes and tell me that Germany's colleges are bad. Like, no, right, like Germany. No. Germany is well, behind Japan in automobile manufacturing, and it's only because Japan, um, like fucking. It just has really good engineers. Their engineers are just slightly yeah. better than the engineers coming out of Germany. Yeah. But Germany has this. It's two hundred and eighty dollars a semester for college. Well, um, isn't gov- to... well, isn't government isn't um, and this is where I think this is the actual draw between, and it might be more complicated than that, is that the gov- the uh, colleges and universities in Germany are those those are subsidized primarily by um, the government, like almost entirely in taxes over there, right? I believe so. I don't know exactly what, like, 100% where the money comes from, but I do know that it's subsidized at least significantly. Because, again, yeah. it, it's, we're looking at, like, like what, $20,000 a semester in, like, a mid-range U.S. Yeah. school for four yeah. years versus $280 American and, to get well, a four-year degree in Germany. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we need to start compare. We need to start figuring out what um, categories these things are alike and dislike. Um and I'm not expecting either of us to have the answers, but like, are the are the um, are the German universities are those um, state universities are those for-profit universities, public, private? Um, how much public. of the public? Yeah, they're public, um, and across all. If I'm reading this right, across the 16 states of Germany, they've abolished all tuition fees for undergraduate students entirely. Well, that's a fun fact in terms of the economics of it for the um for the consumer, so to speak. It's a question of like, are these for-profit universities? Does public mean for-profit? Just to like get the vocabulary squared up? Uh, not necessarily. Technically, a, a university could be for profit um, in like another way, mm-hmm. is it rather than just saying straight up nonprofit. But there, the, 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 so I, I guess it's important to specify when I talk about I want universities to be nonprofit, I mean based off of tuition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not, yeah. Profitability. I think to do with the students. I, I'm very scared of any any dialogue that equates profitability or profit as a as a goal like, of any kind being demonized. If, if a university decides that they want to have a football team because it makes the money, cool, whatever. I don't. Yeah, care. yeah, yeah. But the problem is when that that ends up um, going into tuition. What happens and what we see it, yeah, in, in the United States is that basically the tuition is an additional tax put on you and the student. To yeah. subsidize the school's football. Team. Well, that's the, the that's the gap or the mix up that I think um, is contributing to, or some, I think it's that's a lot. I think the impression that I get, and this is where I'm trying to ask these questions, is that the tuition and perhaps even cultural 
um, methods in, in how Germany has its university system is that a lot of the tuition or the cost of university is being um, taken care of by the taxes and something, perhaps something is preventing, but as opposed, and so that means that the, the amount you have to put in to pay for the tuition as the student is so fucking low, the $200 or whatnot. While over in uh, the U.S., we have nothing like that. We have instead the subsidized loans, which means that the um, colleges and universities here, actually, they just get to hike up their tuition cost yep. and make huge bank off of it because it's not the same kind of subsidizing from the government. Yes, it's, it's literally reversed in our case, where uh, our because our government is subsidizing the student and not the university. Yeah, that means that the, the university government is not... has, gets gets yeah. no say. Yeah, it's no say in what the price is. And the university can just go, oh, well, how much can we charge and still have capacity? In yeah. And like most most colleges in the United States function at capacity. <laughs> like, so they're, they're not they're not like. Honestly, oh, I just think... coming at it straight from a business perspective, they could probably be overcharging even more and still get away with it. Because yeah. again, it's it's a, it's a you need that education. You you either get that higher level education, preferably in a STEM field, so you can actually be successful, or you go in and get in a higher level education in something that's not as successful, and you go work fast food with the bill, or you just choose to go work fast food without the bill. Yeah. Or you're smart and you go to trade school, but that's a that's a whole different issue in the United States. Those trade tra our trade schools are also not particularly great but a lot of that has to do with like you said um the the large propaganda machine of you have to go to college otherwise you're an unsuccessful person well, from I, the it's 50s to the i imagine there 90s. are other sources or causes of it but i imagine the reason the trade schools aren't that um good is because they're not that well developed because they haven't been yeah. it goes between they haven't been around long enough and you need well, i mean even if you even if you just look at it just on the way they're set up you know trade schools don't have football teams no, they're not getting that money from having a football team. The trade schools aren't supported by the government. They're not getting, not necessarily that they're that are you know private in this, uh, private universities are actually supported by the government, but the students are getting money from the government to go to those institutions. So technically, that money is still going to the schools. That is not happening for trade school. Yeah, you know the most trade schools get is that certain companies will pay for your trade school degree if you get hired before you have the degree. Yeah, so and you get. work for them for a set amount of time, which is a good gig, which is a good gig. Yeah, I but you, you compare that to like the absolute plethora of options for going to a normal college and the the number of ways that normal colleges have to generate income that trade skills schools don't. Yeah, mm -hmm. so then that's where, as I remember hearing that, that like part of the reason that they pay so damn much outside of the profitability is that it's also like you have to try to attract uh, students for frankly, frankly entertainment reasons, but also it's incredibly hard to provide a good financial incentive to get high-level professors or people in the industry to come in and teach, when it's they have way the these people, these professionals, these um, people that could be professors have way better options out in the market uh, to for their services and their skills. Like it's way yep. better for them financially to go get a job in the oil company or in tech or at a law firm or something or something corporate than to go teach. Yeah. But now let's like imagine for a second that mm -hmm. instead our, our private universities are public universities and those individuals in the community that we're trying to attract to teach, instead of it just being, hey, here's your measly teacher's salary from the university, it's, hey, here's your still probably measly salary, but also your government benefits and your you know tax deductions and mm -hmm. your whatever, all the all the other bonuses you get for being a government employee. Like it's like are those real right now or they're just not offered at this time? 
What do you mean, like from the private university? I couldn't grasp what you were saying right there. Whether so that, whether speaking, is that a current private... offer or is that an offer that should be added? No, no, I'm saying like imagine a, a scenario where our universities have been turned into public universities, uh -huh. and this is what it looks like instead. Because mm -hmm. like right now, you, like the re most universities for their professors, unless you have tenure, which is really hard to get yeah. in and of itself, you get paid shit, you get paid dog shit, mm -hmm. um, and you don't get any benefits at all. Yeah, like well, you don't, you've you don't also even been... have like a, a guarantee of continued work yeah. because they usually hire you on for single semesters as like a contractor. So you're not even actually an employee and you get no employee benefits. Yeah, not a lot of universities have a fellow system, which I'm just learning exists in certain places. Yeah, uh, yeah that's another thing that's important to say. Obviously, I'm, I'm talking like I'm painting with a large brush. There are obviously going to be universities in the United States that are good. Like, I'm not trying to say that they're all bad. Uh, I'm just talking about changing the system that we have to make them better. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the problem is that especially because like when you're talking about education people are like oh free free college or whatever oh we can't how we can't afford it or whatever it's like every single dollar we put into our our universities gets back 10 20 30 dollars down the road that's the problem that's, with investing that's, now if to that's in, the benefits later yes if that's in studies and disciplines that are that provide real value um oh, not even not even just the ones that provide real value i'm talking like even if you're just going in for like a hospitality degree, mm -hmm. you, you got to think like, well, look at, look, I, I still would think say you have someone who owns a hotel who went to school for four years, someone who owns a hotel who never went to school for owning a hotel. Yeah, one yeah. of those two people is going to be slightly better. At their well, job. And, and but the, that and one person is one person out of the hundreds of thousands getting pumped out of the university. And those hundreds of thousands of people going into the workplace. If they say even one student saves one dollar a year because they're better trained coming out of the university. That saves millions over the course of 10, 20 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, classic you know, TVM. It's, it's yeah, it's, li it's literally just an argument out of the weight of numbers. Like, yeah. it, it's how much $1 put into a university affects the education of those students and how many students it affects just multiplies it. It just gets so much better, so much quicker. Well, Whereas if you just were looking at like, you know, oh, well, let's invest in any of the other dumb shit that we spend so much of our money on in this country like weapons more weapons we already have the best military in the united states you know what we need to do we need to have a better domestic system right our problem isn't our military we can fuck up pretty much anyone like one-on-one -on -one period in this in, in the entire world that's not an issue right the problem is that our domestic situation is completely screwed our um you know like the roads sewers bridges buildings we need our infrastructure to be fixed we need to actually have a good strong at-home economy because right now we don't our economy is still based off the 1950s everyone's in the middle class and has a reasonable amount of expendable income but we don't have that expendable income anymore so it's going to happen as time goes on our universities become more and more out of reach as that gap widens we have less and less people having those degrees meaning we have less and less engineers we have less and less doctors and we're relying more and more on foreign countries for our skilled labor and that is extremely dangerous because that puts all the power in the hands of those other countries so like let's say for whatever reason india and china a lot of our doctors and engineers come from india and china in this country because we don't put that many out of our our universities because our universities are 10 to 20 times more expensive than most other colleges so instead out of india where they actually have really good educational system at least for india comparatively better than ours you get so many doctors and engineers same out of china so many doctors and engineers and they come here because they can make money here but the problem is if those people if there's like just an embargo from their home countries or whatever what are those people going to do right like if, if i'm from india and i'm told hey 
India's at war with the United States now or whatever. We don't like them, whatever, whatever reason you want to come up with. Uh, we're stopping all flights to and from the United States. I'm going to go back home to my family. I'm a fucking doctor. I can make money in India as I can over here in the United States. I'm going to go be with my family, the people I love and care about. If I didn't bring them over here with me, which most of them, most people don't when they do that kind of stuff. Like I work in a neurology clinic. I know a lot of doctors. Several of the doctors that I know before the pandemic did exactly that. We have a doctor who uh, went home to his family in Turkey. He's living with them there now. He's just doing stuff um, over the internet. So we, we get in this situation where our strength as a country, it doesn't matter how good our military is. Other countries can fuck us with non-military actions because our economy is so based off of the things that they're producing. Yeah. It's the same way like um, like how we're so heavily dependent on Saudi Arabia for their oil because of the fact that we refuse to transition to more renewable fuel sources. We're refusing to transition because we have American-based oil companies that make a shit ton of money. But that means all it takes is Saudi Arabia saying, hey, tough shit. No oil for two years. And nope, there we go. <laughs> Now we're we have fucked. to. Now we're on the back foot, and we have to like start really. Well, that is a very legitimate batch of issues, and that's where I think I'm very curious to see what happens with the UK um, with their uh, Brexit, um, because it's either going to crash the hell out of the UK, or it's going to basically create make them switch into a very self sustaining uh, country. They're gonna be fucked. They're not. They, they can't. They can't self sustain. Well, not of their own resources. I mean, Japan doesn't even... Japan's a very resourceless country, but there is a book going out that was talking about how trust is... If you have trust, um, that's the most important like economic resources that you, that you can have. Yeah. The problem is that they don't... With the UK specifically, it's just that they don't have the infrastructure to be able to actually support like a producer-style economy. Like, it, there, An argument can be made for over here in the United States that it'd be easy for us to transition because we have so much more land that we can actually use for production. Yeah. But like, where where the fuck are you going to open up a man, car, car manufacturing place in the UK? <laughs> like, like, where are you going to do it? There's no fucking... Like, I can point to miles and mi hundreds of thousands of miles of just open United States land that yeah. we used for whatever. Can't, can't fucking do that in the UK. It's three small islands. <laughs> like, yeah. They physically don't have the space. And like, well, I don't know a whole hell of a lot you, about like your. You still have to. You still have to run but... the. You can run UK versus Japan in terms of what they've both been able to do economically, um, technologically, and manufacturingly. Even though they don't exactly have the the space for it. Yeah, but that's the thing is that Japan. So Japan's whole technological revolution, or whatever, it was all post World War II, and it was literally everyone, or not everyone, but you know the movers and shakers in Japan had a meeting and were like, "Listen, if we don't catch up." And not just catch up, but get farther ahead than everyone else. We're fucked. So go figure out what the find the best countries, figure out what they're doing, and we're just going to copy that. And they did. Then they created an infrastructure from the bottom up, saying, "Hey, we understand we can't supply these things, but we're going to make those supply chains and those inroads to be able to get those things that we need, to get them cheap, and to be able to actually pull this off." What you have in the UK with Brexit is the exact opposite. They went from having an infrastructure dedicated entirely to being able to function uh, within the EU and getting those materials and things from their allies. And the EU was a huge boon for that because it meant no more, you know, no tariffs or at least not nearly as large, much more easy travel, much easier to actually do business. And then they're just getting rid of that entire like ease of actually pulling it off part with Brexit, but leaving the infrastructure that can't actually support itself. I, I remember hearing the, the complaint that the uh, a lot of at least EU members are having is that they're basically having to foot the bill for other countries that, like for Greece, for example, 
um, over-relies on tourism, get themselves caught up, have a bad culture of debt and thinking the government's just going to take care of their every issue. So a lot of the complaints that are happening with the EU is going into like the more successful com- countries like Germany or Britain um, end up having to just babysit and take care of the financial uh, dependencies of the other countries that just aren't um, – they don't have as I, w- I would say they don't have as successful of a culture of hard work and you know Ooh, innovation. No, that's, that's I have to disagree with that entirely because that's a um, do not use cultural differences for what can be explained by uh, material means. Um, like, well, well Greece, you, can, you, instance, can, you can run a cultural difference between Japan and the rest in terms of Japan's culture says we have no material means in terms of resources and now they're leaving the leading the fucking world. Yeah, but that's again, that's because of a specific governmental system that they chose to enact in Japan, right? So uh, Greece and whatever. Um, so if we want, I, I, again, I, I'm not huge specifically on the UK politics. So if you, if so, oh, I'm not either. Like, I'm, I'm from just, Greece, and yeah. Greece is a fucking shithole. Well, congratulations, buddy. <laughs> but um, it's so the the EU was attempting to create the United States but mm-hmm. just over there with a bunch of different states. Mm-hmm. We, being in the United States, we're so keen to look at the EU member states as different nations, because they are different nations, mm-hmm. but they're equivalent to the United States. Texas is bigger than, I think, the entirety of the EU. Just about. <laughs> like, yeah, Germany like, is like a couple of, like, you know, uh, co- colonial states, basically. Yeah. Like, But we work, and we are happy to subsidize our worse-off states or states that produce less uh, because of the fact that we have a governmental body that's set up that understands that our states are going to be better or worse at specific things and makes laws in order to actually have that harmony between us. The problem with the EU is they had a whole bunch of different member governments that each ran themselves, run themselves independently. So if, if you have a country that's doing stuff that's fucked up or whatever, and that they are like draining the pocketbooks because they have bad policies because the, the EU wasn't its own governmental body, yeah. really, you, you couldn't be like, hey, Germany, fuck you, you can't do that anymore. You gotta stop. Yeah, well, they like the uh, federal, the federal level of power, so to speak, in terms of a parallel. Yeah. So that, that to me is an argument against the EU Structurally, in terms of how it's in, but not in terms of like, oh, well, you know, fuck you, got mine. You know what I mean? Because, like, looking at Greece, it's very easy. Like, I obviously, what, whatever they were doing was not correct, but those are things that could be fixed with policy. And the different the problem was that the UK looked at that and was like, yeah, it can be fixed with policy, but Greece is the one that has to make that policy, and we can't make that policy. And yeah. they viewed that as unfair, which that perfectly fine to view that as unfair. I, I as the person in the United States, who, because the fact that I live in a populous state means that my vote is worth one third of that of someone who lives in Rhode Island. I can understand, you know, being screwed over by a smaller state kind of sucks. But again, uh, Britain didn't think a whole hell of a lot through of how they were going to do the Brexit. And that's why it's becoming an issue. Had they thought it all out ahead of time and been like, yep, this is the plan. And it's going to work like this. I'm going to do it in this many years. Probably wouldn't be even any issue at all. I, 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 you know, obviously you'd have some people saying, hey, United Europe is probably still better than a non-United Europe in terms of safety. But, you know, the, pro- the problem is coming up because they didn't think about the ramifications of the decision they were doing before they put it up to a vote because they assumed it wasn't going to pass. And then it did. Yeah, I remember hearing about like all the people that were supporting it. Basically, they just disappeared because they basically couldn't believe that it actually happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even the people that like I was reading something the other day that was hilarious because it's about this, uh, this <laughs> couple that was like retiring in Brussels, Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they were pissed because they're losing their house because they're not they're no longer EU citizens. So they can't live there anymore. They'd be illegal immigrants. And they were bullshit at Germany for allowing that to happen. And it's like, buddy, 
it, you, you voted to leave. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want. <laughs> that was your choice. Oh. Did smart. you? Oh, did poor baby not understand the ramifications of their decision? Like. Yeah, I think there's. I. I feel like there's a lot of laziness that's gone on in the West, where personal responsibility has been taken so so for granted, or, like. Not even personal responsibility. It's one of those where the individual has gotten valued so much that the individual has become very irresponsible about how it does, how it lives its life and does its business. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Don't even get me started on like the fucking mask shit. Like Jesus Christ, it, it's just it just blows my mind how stupid people can be sometimes. Well, just, like, well, I, I can... guess the question is, are you are you pro mask or anti mask? I, I am pro doing things that doctors say. I am pro using my eyes mm -hmm. and being able to look at a situation and understand what's happening. Like, because like, like, this is the thing. It's not, it's not a debate. It's not an argument. Pro mask, anti-mask. Do the masks work? Do they not work? Do they cut off your oxygen? Do you know how large a, um, an oxygen particle is? I can, I can look this up if you don't, and I, I fucking will. But a, a particle of oxygen is like one one-thousandth, if not more so, the size of a coronavirus particle mm -hmm. it's fucking super tiny mm -hmm. it is very small mm -hmm. and those masks are designed as such to be able to allow that through but not larger particles you know like how masks normally work so the fact that these people are like the masks don't work because they can't keep out the virus but at the same time the masks don't work because they keep out oxygen it's like it, it, you can't it's not it's just people not understanding what they're talking about it's it, like it's so simple. It's how big is the hole, right? Like the hole is large enough to let oxygen in. The hole is not large enough to let coronavirus in. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Like you can fucking, you can get some blocks and you can recreate this experiment. <laughs> you can, you can show yourself. Yeah. No, I'm just looking it up now because I, it's, there's been this back and forth on a lot of the, a lot of the stuff as COVID has gone. And now it's actually like, was it um, press release July fourteenth? Uh, CDC calls on Americans to wear masks to prevent COVID nineteen spread. So now that's finally out. So a lot of the, it's, I'm curious to see what some of the conservatives that I just follow just to see what they're saying, how they're going to react to this news release because it's their their big gripe has been the back and forth from at least the WHO and the media on whether or not masks work, if they work, if they don't work, put them on, don't put them on. Um, the effectiveness of just these cloth masks that aren't even the proper rating to block the uh, the virus itself, because the virus is... is... Yeah. Now, that is a legitimate concern, because there are companies that are making masks that are absolutely not healthcare level. Oh, yeah. Well, people are going around yeah. just buying these cloth ones, like the ones that we got at the airport. Like, at, at, some point you're, at some point, you're wearing these masks just to not get... not deal with a confrontation of people. Like, Why aren't you wearing yeah. your masks? Like, if I had... Unless you have a medical mask to give me or a medically effective mask, I'm not about to – we're wasting our time here. We're dealing with, with a social cultural pressure at this point. Yeah. but as, So, like, the thing for me – like, and I work in healthcare now. Um, mm -hmm. I work at a neurology clinic. So, like, this is actual stuff that, like, I know from doctors. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, actual doctors that, like, are doctors and do doctor stuff, like, as their job. <laughs> I don't know. It's a hard – like – it's so easy for someone to be like, oh, I'm a doctor. And it's like, oh, cool. You've got your doctorate in like social sciences, like mm -hmm. nondescript, nothing specific. And you're, you're going to use that to pretend that you know something about healthcare. So I'm talking about actual healthcare doctors. Um, and like 
even at the start, they were like, yeah, people should be wearing masks, not to protect themselves, but to protect others. Yeah. Because that's that's the whole point. Yeah, it's a, prevent it's a prevention that... of the exhale, not the inhale. Exactly. Yeah. That, like, that's the reason why doctors wear masks, not because they're like, ooh, you're, you're, you're sick and I'll get sick. No, it's because if the doctor has, like, if you're dealing with someone with a compromised immune system and you have anything that is fine for you to have, yeah. it might kill the other person. Yeah. That's why people are like, hey, wear masks. It has nothing to do with protecting you. It has nothing to do with protecting the person you're handing the cash to. It has to do with everyone else. Because normal exhalation or whatever, it can go up to like 12 feet, you know, uh, virus particles and shit like that. Yeah. But the mask is significantly reduced. Is the mask perfect? No. Otherwise, you'd be able to get rid of the virus like in a day. But it helps other people not die. And if I have to spend 10 bucks and inconvenience myself to save a single life, Fuck, man. I don't know. I think that's a good. I think that's a good deal. I'd spend ten bucks if it meant someone didn't die. I'd, yeah. Okay. Give me that button. I'll press that button all day. Hmm. But it's just like, but, oh, man, people are like freaking out about it, and they're like making big scenes in front of like grocery stores and whatever, and it, it just blows my like. I don't. It has. It has to be an ego thing. You know what I mean? These people had to have convinced themselves that the masks don't do anything at the start. And now they just have to double down. <laughs> like, well, I think it, there's an equivocate equivocal. They're making an equivocation between COVID and uh, the regular flu, because at this point, the the COVID nineteen has a, appears to be similar to the flu in terms of its own death rate. I mean, there's what was it Worldometers puts out its own comparison between New York, California, Texas, Florida, and like Connecticut on death 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 numbers. And then you do like death, deaths per million and the crazy fucking Florida and Texas states are actually doing better per million in terms of the death rate, the mortality rate, than California and New York that are going between like lockdowns or something like that. Or at least they had lockdown. Well, everyone did out of lockdown, but Florida's been like really wide open and Texas, was it Texas and Florida? And I think Georgia might have been, had been, have had the more Swedish um, methodology while California, um, New York and others had uh, very different approaches. Yeah. The problem with that is that we don't, it, the, I mean, like, I don't want to say we don't care about the death rate as if I don't care about the people who die. Obviously, I care about the people who died. I wish the death rate was zero. But the problem with a pandemic like this is not that the death rate itself is going to be particularly high. It's the infection rate. Because, mm -hmm. like, people die from the flu as mm -hmm. well. Like, the flu kills people. Well, we're the concerned with the infection rate because of... 15,000 new cases of the flu every day. Yeah. Well, I think the I think to point out the infection rates um, very concerning. I think um, Brett made a good highlight of this: is that if the infection rate gets too high and the virus gets too widespread, its ability to mutate and then become just a permanent part of the human future history, like the like influenza is, um, there's oh, yeah. no getting rid of it. Basically, yeah, no, hundred percent. That and and the, and this one in, in its in particular also has been mutating like a motherfucker. Yeah, like I believe already it can now certain strains of it can affect dogs and cats. Like, if, like imagine, imagine like a a human transferable strain of the virus got into the stray cat population. Oh, done. We we'd never we'd never get rid of it. It'd be impossible. Yeah. Like, we'd have to have weekly cat hunts. Like, it'd be ridiculous. Yeah. So but, well, I I I'm I'm sorry to all my cat lovers, but <laughs> there. Are... I mean, no, no, I don't. That's not a situation I want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's the bad end. Girl, <laughs> if you didn't get it. <laughs> but. So, like, I wish I had a, I wish we had a professional or you could message me later on this one. 
Mycura is influenza is is does that jump species? This the regular flu. I have no idea. I don't. So I don't like think it so does. like my idea my thought wave is as as we look at like as COVID is the example basically. Um, if we were all to actually properly have a full like you know what was it Korea or Singapore level lockdown um, to where like you're getting arrested or whatnot if you like leave the house. Um, if we had that level of lockdown for the whole country for like four weeks, like mad neutralization of COVID is like the, um, is the outcome is the presumed outcome of a, pro of a proper lockdown. So I'm sitting there going, why aren't we doing this with the flu? Like if the flu, unless the flu has a, has a much longer lifespan or it, it sticks around longer in the human body. It's like, just the, how come every 10 years I, we don't have, like, a, a giant lockdown of the entire country for, like, a month just to, like, kill off a bunch of shit? So the... Um, like, I know economically it's I'm not, I'm not, obviously, I'm not an expert on it, but I believe primarily it's because of the infection rate. Um, mm -hmm. The flu does not have a high enough infection rate. Uh, and, and also the fact that, like, people who have these common illnesses then do usually self-isolate. Um, yeah. So like so like someone who gets the flu, you're not going to work when you have the flu. You're taking those two weeks. Well, off. it's there's no asymptomatic flu person basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no like, if you get this these diseases normally, you're not likely going to be feeling up to going out to the bar and partying with a whole bunch of people. Yeah, you know what I mean, unless you're Whereas, yeah, unless you're college age. Yeah, because I think that's the thing with the flu is like its dormant period is like two or three days, mm -hmm. so you can be spreading it for two or three days. Mm -hmm. You know, that still could get to a bunch of people, but that's not 15,000 people in mm -hmm. three days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, again, since it's something because the flu does mutate and that's why you have to get a new um, vaccine every year or whatever vaccination for it. Yeah. Um, but that's why coronavirus is so scary is because it's a flu like virus because we've known about the flu. And we've known that the flu does mutate, but it's a flu like virus that's so infectious that its chance for mutation is so much higher. We have no idea what could happen, and yeah. literally anything could happen. Like it could, it could evolve tomorrow to where it immediately shuts down your nervous system, Just fucking immediately. Yeah. Like, and oh well, congratulations, all those fifteen thousand people every day in Florida who are getting it, y'all dead now. <laughs> that's, you know what I mean? It, that's why, and, and that's even like we're talking about the problems with the virus of getting the virus itself. The there's also huge issues with just occupancy. And that's what we're going to start seeing, especially in Florida and Texas, is that the hospitals are going to be full of people in ICU beds because they've got COVID. People who are probably going to survive. But then what do you do? You don't have any ICU beds. What do you do if someone gets in a car accident? You don't have any ICU beds. Everyone's already taken up all the intubation. Well, devices. then do you think that, that person the... has to get sent to another hospital? Well, that was a big concern that we had earlier on where New York was asking uh, um, the federal government for all the um, respirators or whatnot. And that big flattening the curve issue that we were worrying about where, where the, origi the original reason that we went in to um, in all the lockdown was to make sure – was to try to lower the curve to make sure we didn't spike so hard because of just how easily contagious this was. So there was a big concern that the hospitals were going to get overflown and we weren't going to be able to keep – like capacity was not going to be able to keep up with the demand. And that has yet to happen um, anywhere. But – it's Except for like happen. New York. It's yet to happen because we had that lockdown. You, you got to look at it. We had, it was what, I mean, I also, I, I also only know for like Florida specifically. Yeah. We, we had what, like two weeks, three weeks of like actual lockdown, lockdown. Yeah. 
So imagine right now, right where we're at right this second, mm -hmm. except it would have been three weeks earlier. Three weeks ago, we'd be at the 15,000 cases, mm -hmm. whatever. Because that's like, it's, it's not just from a lockdown alone. I don't think it's physically possible to completely eliminate the virus, especially one that's asymptomatic. Because mm -hmm. um, it would have to be one that's either there are no asymptomatic versions of it. That way you can confirm everyone is disease free and then set them loose. Mm -hmm. um, or it's one that um, like it's just that we test every single person. And that latter one, unfortunately, just isn't economically viable. Um, so when we have a virus like this, honestly, it should have just been a long term semi lockdown. It should honestly probably even a full lockdown, probably not even necessary, but like a semi lockdown where you can only have so many people in a building. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff, uh, and, you know, and enforce uh, self isolation if like you have symptoms. <laughs> Sorry, I get a really bad cough out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But. I guess what I'm trying to get to specifically is just that what we're seeing right now, we have not even got out of the first wave. Mm -hmm. We just delayed the first wave a little bit. We're still riding that first wave. We've not had the opportunity to reach a second wave. We've not had the opportunity to actually plateau. We had a short period of time where it looked like it had started to go back down to right when we opened back up, which kicked it right back up. And that's the problem. Because like, you, you can look at other countries and, and see, based on what they're doing, whether or not it's working. Right? Yeah. So... Like, look at Canada. Canada has almost no cases. They're almost as large as we are. They have a shit ton of people in their country as well. They're, they're in North America, they're, so it's not like it's a completely different um, biome. Like, a lot of um, a lot of the way, like, what it's like to live in Canada is what it's like to live in a lot of the northern United States. Yeah. So, what's the difference? What are they doing different that they have less cases in their country than we do in Florida? Mm -hmm. You know? Is it is it just the masks? Well, clearly not some people are wearing masks you know is it is it the lockdown you know what's the thing that's doing it and instead of doing any of those things that those other countries are doing to see if we can make it work we're just doing nothing <laughs> and doing nothing is the worst option yeah total recovered which actually was spending time total tests wow trying to hmm Interesting. Yeah, we do have the we, have, we do have the most tests. Test per million. Yeah, interesting. I hope that lightning doesn't fuck us up. Or at least fuck up the stream. That would be nice. That's actually where I wish any of the comparison between the U.S. or at least certain states, and then how they're actually if any states are actually. Um, repeating or was it total cases per million i think it's we're having comparison of states to other countries especially considering the methodologies are varying across the country that comparing the u.s to everywhere else um has its value but oh yeah states definitely. are but states are having totally different approaches yeah and, and i obviously i can't tell you every single one of the 50 states is specific approach mm -hmm. i can tell you a lot about florida's specific approach i can also tell you that florida is number seven worldwide for a state with the most cases and that's uh like including the entirety of the uk the entirety of the rest of the united states like like fucking brazil or whatever like we're like number seven we, we have more 
cases just in Florida than most of the rest of the world does in mm -hmm. their different countries. Where's Florida? Florida, Florida, Florida. Total cases 300,000 right now. California and New mm -hmm. York are beating us. Oh no no! If you, if, I'm sorry. That that's if you just take Florida out of the rest of the United States. That wasn't like if we ranked all the. If we did that, then we'd be still up there, like in like top ten. But then like, you really wouldn't have many. Yeah, other if you're countries. running on total cases, what Florida has three hundred thousand. Where's that at? That chart I was just at. So Florida has three hundred thousand. Um, let's go back to countries. Can't remember is that graph. Come on. Gimme, gimme. It's a great graph. Um, yeah, oh, Florida like has some 300,000. It might it looks like it might have changed a little bit because I'm looking at a at a graph right now. So the 10th highest is the UK with 291,000. So we are above the UK. We might be above Spain because Spain's only a little bit above 300,000. Yeah. Exactly so if we were to rank, actually, yeah, yeah, you're you're pretty much right there. We actually Florida by itself is right below Spain and above the UK. And so yeah. everyone else below that has less ca cases. Um, yep. And again, which, like you got to look at this shit. Like, well, you, go, you have to look at total cases. Countries. You have to look at total cases per million. Is like the next the next batch you need to like run down there too. Oh yeah, no, that's also important. But I, but I'm not even talking like there are some countries down here that like are that are like massive countries compared to Florida, just the state in terms of po total population. Mm -hmm. And we still have significantly more cases than they do. Or the countries that have like mo more historical issues with like overcrowding and shit like that, yeah. which is a breeding ground for disease. And yet we're doing worse than they are. Yeah. It's just, it's like, there's, there is no world, no world at all where Bangladesh should be almost half the number of cases as just the state of Florida. Yeah, because they're at two. They're just below two hundred thousand right now. What is it? Yeah. I wish I had kept that up. Total cases per million is one thousand one hundred seventy-five. Where is fucking China? Has do you trust? You know, is is trying to is trying to. I actually, I actually, I actually trust it more than I I trust the shit coming in the United States right now because at oh, the very least. Um, you know, we have politicians saying that they're actually going out of their way to obfuscate the data. At least we don't have people from China going, yeah, no, we're literally going out of our way to obfuscate the data. Oh, they just, they'll just subtly say that they're Also, not I know that. several people that live in China, and they're they basically completely recovered. Whether or not that speaks of the whole of China, because yeah. they're mostly in Hong Kong, I have no idea. But, like, I got I got boots on the ground, and it's it's pretty much over there. <laughs> Yeah. Most most countries in the world, it's pretty much over. It's only like the top uh, top ten to fifteen that are still having huge issues with it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we actually can't do that comparison. We'd have to actually get a population of Florida versus the total cases, just to see how that compares to some other countries. Vatican City total cases twelve, total cases per million fourteen thousand. <laughs> Because there's like a hundred people in the Vatican. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely some funny shit you can do with uh with, with the numbers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but still, geez. it's like it's we're we're not like I mean yeah obviously if you look at the United States as a whole because the United States is again it's a union of states that are the size of countries and other countries. Yeah. So, but people we, people we unfortunately would probably be a world leader anyway. But well, I think that's. 
kind of where we go back to the constant issue where um, people are, for whatever reason, whether it's the media's focusing them, everyone's far too focused on the federal government um, and the and the and the executive branch than on anything close to local, like anything yeah. that's like related to their state. Uh, that's that's kind of a huge problem with the states in general is we we rarely ever look at local elections when they're the most important elections. Yeah. But it's it's still just like it, it. This is something that should have been so simple that we just had to make so difficult. <laughs> like, yeah. Like God, like because that's the thing. Like you got to ask yourself, like, okay, let, let's pretend for a second. We'll grant all the arguments. Masks don't do shit. Lockdown does nothing. Right. What what would what, how how much worse would our lives have been if we had gone through with the lockdown enforced mask rules? Like, <laughs> not particularly. Mm-hmm. Like fucking the UK was in lockdown for months. They're mm-hmm. fine because they passed the needle legislation to be able to actually support their citizens while they did that, right? Yeah. And we can do it. We can do it right now. We've we've done it. We've done it several times already. It's just they just need to do it for a long enough period of time that we actually get through it. But no one wants to spend that money. Well, they don't want to take that money away from the military that's the big, industrial complex. That's actually the big frustration in terms of what happened, and it's the lockdown is where everyone gets a twelve hundred dollar check, but then that uh, bill goes through, and you know what trillions go into major corporations or whatnot. Mm-hmm. and that piece of shit so it's like oh we could have done we could have done a three times long lockdown entirely like no no business has been deemed essential and who knows wipe out how much of not just the virus but other shit and yeah, cool. no fuck it fuck that fuck you. have a good summer oh, everyone thing, boeing needs a couple billion dollars <laughs> eat my ass yeah no I can understand where a business doesn't run out of profit because it spends all of its profitable money on R&D or other shit, but kind of, kind of screwing some pooches there, buddy. Oh, yeah. Kind of screwing it's, some it's pooch. The, it's the whole, the whole... So let's, it, let's, let's roll this into a positive thing. Doesn't... Let's roll this into a positive thing, actually, because I can feel the energy oh, yeah. coming down for both of us. I have wanted, and I think Florida is a great state for it, um... To, I have wanted to figure out a production of a show where it's like, alrighty, welcome to local politics in your fucking state. Um, and we grab whatever research we can of, like, at whatever, whatever level of government, and we just run through. But we have a very lambastic, unprofessional, but very factually correct. Um, like, I don't know if you've ever watched anything of Steven Crowder's. I'm not here to concern about, like, his politics or whatnot. But something that, that's that silly but it runs like a quick like daily show and now like rundown. I was like, here's what's coming up on your area. This person's an idiot. This person, like something like that. Just because I think more things that would be, that would provide um, uh, an eye, um, an, inter- an entertaining factual eye on state level and probably a little bit, maybe a few levels down politics would, I think it'd be a good thing to try to do. I think, and I and I always aim for these things to be like fun, comical, and factual, basically. I don't know. That, for me, that scare that um that scare. What's the word I'm looking for? Veers. That veer is a little too close to the uh, reactionary video vlogosphere or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just I hate that kind of shit. <laughs> um, because like I, because like I get it. You know, like yeah. people want to relax. They want to have fun. They want to laugh. But like, I feel like that's been a huge problem with like. That, that caused us to be in the situation too entertainment focused view, and not enough focus focus 
Yeah, that, like like the reason people have an issue with the media nowadays isn't because there's anything necessarily wrong with media. It's because of the fact that it's so focused on making money off of people, just getting people to watch. So like, oh, it doesn't matter if the stuff we're saying is true or if the information we're giving you is helpful in any way. It just matters that we got you to, to look at it. I had the thought that when I had the thought that when a lot of those networks became uh, for profit back in the early 90s, that's when everything started heading towards this. Um, and the example they provide is like the Casey Anthony case where they put her in slow-mo over and over again like it's a replay from a fucking sports event. And so our news has become much more of an entertainment game than it has been an actual news source. And, yeah. and it's just expanded with like Google basically requiring free articles and thus limiting and turning classic journalism um, into something that has to like be looking to be at the top of the of the algorithm um, and not just like let, not let the New York Times just be a reliable place that people go to um, for stuff. Um, so that's where I'm with you on like turning proper um, news m- media into entertainment is sort of falling to the same pit that's led us down this road where news media is frankly a fucking joke. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and I feel like a, uh, you know the part of the problem is that news media because they're so profit oriented they are they are so careful not to piss off anything like, important groups yeah they won't but, say yeah, anything like, important like, like and they'll they'll go out of their way to present two ideas as being like equal in merit but one is very clearly like why the fuck is this person here did you ever watch <laughs> like, um there's three seasons of it did you ever watch the newsroom i don't think so oh it's an aaron so. it's an aaron sorkin series um I loved it. I really wish I could like help produce or make like a newsroom for like the modern day that's just like writing episodes based on like six month ago events. Um, I wonder where it's playing or showing right now. Newsroom is great. I think we I'm trying to remember where we watched that. It was on Hulu or something like that. But Newsroom's get great. It's got um the guy opposite Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. I can't remember what other roles he's done before. Um, but it's got him as the anchor as a serious role. Um, and it just basically goes through the, the drama and the romance and the rigmarole, but it goes from the timeline of the show goes from, 